Hey everyone, welcome to Operations, the show where we look under the hood of companies and hypergrowth. My name is Sean Lane. We've got a little something different for you this week because I recently had a conversation that I felt like you, our operations audience, just had to hear. I recently had the opportunity to help moderate a panel for a Modern Sales Pros event about a topic that everyone in operations has had to wrangle at some point or another, alignment. And not just any type of alignment, sales and marketing alignment. And to help me tackle such a meaty topic, I was lucky enough to be joined by two people who have been in different important roles in creating that alignment themselves. First, Kate Adams, the Senior Vice President of Marketing at Validity, and also Jacqueline Balvin, the VP of Operations at Bamboo Health. Both Kate and Jacqueline brought their own unique experience and perspective to the panel. Over the course of our conversation, we talked about the bipartisan role that ops can play in this alignment, how sales and marketing can show each other that they're looking to truly be partners with one another, and what Kate has found to be true in the best operators she's ever worked with. All right, let's get you right to the panel so you can learn alongside Kate and Jacqueline with me. For those of you in the audience, we were really purposeful about the folks that we have on our panel today to try to give a little bit of perspective from both the marketing side of things, as well as the operation side of things, so we can look across the entire customer journey. Um, Jacqueline, as she mentioned, has worked in RevOps across a bunch of different things. I've worked across marketing ops, sales ops, and customer ops. So we're hoping to give you a little bit of perspective from across that journey today, regardless of the size of the company that you might be coming from or, or where you all might be uh, based on your stage. So let's let's dive right in. Sales and marketing, Kate and Jacqueline, the alignment between these two teams has always been somewhat of a hot button issue. Um, and it can be, you know, a bit of a far off dream state for some companies, depending where you are, right? And so I'm hoping that the thing we can help people walk away with today is how can operations teams help to play a role in making that alignment more of a tangible reality? So um, for the audience, one of the things that Kate and Jacqueline and I talked about in getting ready for today was we wanted to, again, regardless of the stage that your company was at, think about what are some baseline assumptions we can make going into today's conversation. And so the baseline assumption that I'm asking you all to make today is this, whether you're in marketing ops, sales ops, customer ops, field ops, whatever you might call it, the goal between sales and marketing getting aligned is to have an output of pipeline, right? That's the thing that we're going to solve for today. And so, Kate, I wanted to start with you. From your experience, like, is that simple goal and that simple output a controversial stance? Like, how do you think about the, the definition or the goal of sales and marketing alignment? Yeah, um, I love that pipeline is at the center of it, right? I love because that is so true. But I think pipeline is so difficult. It's like such a difficult topic. It's just like, it's as simple as like, going to a salesperson and I know all the salespeople on the, in, in this call will be like, well, you just close the deal. It's easy. <laughs> no. Uh, right. And so, okay, cool. So how are we going to generate that pipeline? Who's responsible for which parts of it? And why I think ops is such an integral piece um, to be in the center of it is ops uh, is there to kind of hold those people accountable um, to one another. Right. And to say, and they're there as, um, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, Sean, but should ops be a centralized function? Should it sit within marketing? Should it sit within sales? All those things. Why I love it as a centralized function, um, from my perspective, is it's always been a, like a bipartisan um, entity that's just stating facts, right? Um, that's just stating facts and saying like, okay, this is what we have on this analysis. This is what we have on this analysis. How do we come together? And what's the narrative and the insight that you have as a result of those analyses um, that I think is so powerful? So I know uh, lots of people are in lots of different camps, um, even though I would also say ops folks, really high caliber, high quality ops folks like, like Jacqueline and Sean, I know, right? Uh, are bipartisan, even if they're sitting within uh, a marketing or sales organization as well, because you're just kind of stating what's happening and then trying to uh, come up with and, and working with the marketing and sales professionals to come up with a, what's the narrative or what are our hypotheses about why that might be the case. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of my take on it, right? I think, I think pipeline is so hard. And so, so many people have figured out 
um, okay, well, it's just marketing problem. It's marketing's problem. And then other people are like, no, it's sales problem. We're going to be in a sales led motion. The reality is it's both of yours. And so we have made this drastic oversimplification in my mind of like, well, if we just align these organizations, then there's no problem. It's like, no, like, okay, cool. We're both responsible for it. Who's responsible for what percentage? How are we going to measure that? And then how do we hold each other accountable on a, on a, weekly, daily, monthly, quarterly basis for it. You're right. I want to definitely come back to that accountability piece. Like Jacqueline, when you hear Kate say that you, your role is in this like bipartisan status, do you, does that resonate with you? Is that how you view yourself? And if so, like, how do you coach that mentality within your team? Yeah. I mean, everything that Kate said definitely landed with me in a lot of the way that, you know, our revenue operations team approaches what we hope are the problem statements that our business partners bring to us to help solve for. Um, and so a lot of what we we try to bring is that unemotional approach to, all right, we have a problem that needs to be solved. And now how do we go back to the foundations um, you know, that, that are required in order to come up with the best solution for the problem at hand? And because we're not as emotionally in, invested in maybe the amount of work something took or how much we want it to succeed, which we do, but we're not necessarily in that every single day. It helps to bring some of that unbiased transparency to how are we, how should we be measuring this? What are the goals that we're trying to achieve? You know, what's the best way for us to look back and learn from the results that we actually see and then to continue to optimize? Um, and that in taking that type of approach, and especially as you get into things like um, pipeline development, especially when it maybe isn't where you want it to be, um, it helps to identify the real areas of opportunity, the real things that are working well, and to continue to hone in on those and adjust as needed um, versus getting too caught up in the, you know, like, well, this didn't, this didn't work because you did actually it's like, no, let's just let the data lead the story. Um, and, and really continue to just have that culture of, um, you know, continual iteration and really transparent sort of problem solving together. And so ops as a, as that team that helps to bring the parties to the table, um, and, and break down some of the, some of the barriers that, that might exist, I think is where we can sort of best utilize the skill sets that we have. I think there's a part of what Jacqueline just said, where um, it's also by ops just asking the questions, right? Like she modeled that as like, hey, maybe it's because of this. Whereas if if that didn't happen or it didn't come from that ops function, then it feels like finger pointing, right? Then it's like, oh, well, sales is asking me that question because they don't want to take any accountability to their follow-up. Oh, well, marketing is asking us that question because they don't want to take any accountability to like the campaign just not performing at the volume we expected it to. Right. Whereas when ops is asking that question, it can be it's like this this like third party coming in and being like, hey, can you tell me what about this? And I feel like there's no there's no like I I feel like there's no spin on it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And, and even the data point that Jacqueline's making, too, like if you're coming at it from a particular perspective or you already are coming in with like your side's point of view, you can tell whatever story you want, right? With, with some slice of that data. And I think like for everybody who's listening, who might have, you know, one particular model or one particular structure within your ops team, I think even if you have a hard line in your company dividing marketing ops and sales ops, you just have to care about what happens in the other part of the customer journey. Right. And I think if you can instill that mindset within your team to say, okay, yeah, I might be responsible for marketing ops or I might be responsible for, for sales ops. If I can take a step back and look at that entire customer journey and say, okay, if we make this change in marketing, what are the ripple effects going to be on sales? If we make this change in sales, what are the ripple effects going to be in customer success? I think we need operations teams to come with that mindset to kind of prevent us from that finger pointing that, that Kate was talking about. I think that, you know, the having having the the rigor to also ask the questions up front around what it is you're actually trying to do um, is something that, again, is easier to do when you're not so so invested in the day to day. And so it is a lot harder to sometimes take a step back mm -hmm. and say, what is this campaign actually intended to to deliver? What are the outcomes that I'm expecting? 
Um, and then how do I have that, that again, rigor to, to go back and actually make sure that I measure against what it is that I was trying to do. Um, you know, and same thing on the sales side, you know, what is it that we're looking to, like, we just got all these leads, you know, what is it that we're, we, we expect to generate out of those leads? And then did we actually have the results that we expected? And again, sort of having that, that one step removed um, team to help to make sure that we're really hitting all of those really critical milestones within, you know, whatever motion we're going through is so important to, to actually optimizing and actually learning um, that again, from like a, a one step remove standpoint, it's so much easier to do when you're not in it every single day and every single minute. Yeah. So, so Kate, I think one of the things you said was the idea that finger pointing can, can emerge when this is not necessarily done right. Right. Or at least people can perceive that it's finger pointing. I'm curious for you, like, are there certain like handshake agreements or just understandings that you found to be helpful between sales and marketing to say, this is the foundation of our relationship to avoid that finger pointing? Yeah, I think some of the foundational things that, that tried to implement it and not just at validity, but at a number of different organizations has just been, Hey, what are, what are you going to hold me accountable to? And a little and more to the point of um, I expect my marketing organization, specifically my demand gen organization, to be able to forecast the pipeline that we will create with as much rigor as our sales organization holds the sales, um, holds sales to be able to, to forecast um, what they'll close in bookings. Um, and so we, we do that. I, I hold them accountable to that because I don't want like too many, uh, marketing organizations don't do that. Can't draw a straight line to their revenue today. And I would argue that is fundamentally one of the core reasons why the, the CMO role is in such a state of crisis today. Um, that it, that it is because they just can't demonstrate the impact. And so, um, but as a result of that, I think, Many of my sales counterparts would feel like, hey, this is, this is a marketer who's in it with me, right? She understands and her organization understands they have to put their, their butts on the line every month to say, this is what we're going to hit. And sometimes we hit it and sometimes we don't, just like our sales counterparts do. I'm not saying that we're at 99% certainty every time, but, uh, we're, we're all in it to, to win together. I think that's one of the, the founding things. And I think, and um, the second part of that, that I think um, that I found has been really important is agreeing on the metrics so that I don't come with one set of metrics and sales has another set of metrics. And then we just disagree because we have defined our metrics differently. It's like, no, okay, what do we want to measure? Okay, this is the measure for that thing. And so we, this is how we will measure it. This is how we'll define it. So no matter if your ops person pulls it or my ops person pulls it, we're pulling from one field and we'll pull it like that all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sure none of us have ever been in a meeting where one person has one version of a report and one person has another version. And we spend half the meeting trying to figure out which one's right. Um, Jacqueline, like, do you agree with what Kate's saying? Like, does ops at Bamboo play this role of both the goal setting kind of validation sounding board as well as the team that ultimately is then reporting on progress against those goals? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we do, we spend a lot of time upfront in goal setting, working with both, you know, historical data as well as the, the plans that we have in place in order to come up with really proposals on, you know, here's, here's where we think you know, a, a reasonable goal would be here's a stretch goal. Um, you know, what are the what are the factors that we should be considering as we're actually starting to set goals and then working through a lot of those live. And, and so really doing some dynamic meetings where we might say, you know, based on the data, it looks like you should be able to generate, you know, X. But we also know that these other things are happening that would influence our ability to hit that number, whether it's up or down. Um, you know, and, and really working through the, the variables that would impact the number so that as we're actually setting goals, everyone is very much bought in. And that does not mean that, you know, 
someone can say, oh, well, we're going to we should cut it in half because it's going to be a tough quarter. No, I mean, there, there's there's some there's there's only so far that we can go. But we want to make sure that we're hearing a lot of those voices and making sure that we're taking con- into consideration all the other things that might be impacting our ability to hit a certain metric. Um, but as part of that, and the most important piece of it is really making sure that we're aligned so that when we do set those goals and we start to report in on them, we're not continuously debating the thing that drives success, right? We've already decided on the metrics of success. Um, and so then when we're actually discussing where we stand and how our progress to goal looks and what it is that we should be doing, um, you know, and a good example of that for us is, you know, do I have enough pipeline today in order to hit my number tomorrow? You know, so let's not debate what pipeline is or what our number tomorrow is. Like we should have that landed. And now we should be talking about what it is that we can be doing as a team to make sure the answer is yes. Um, and so making sure that we are really sort of crystal clear on the, the metrics, how we define them, how we got to the place that we actually set those metrics, and then we can focus on solving the problems and generating the pipeline that we need versus getting caught up in you know, rehashing old conversations, which consistently happens if you don't spend the time up front. Um, and so that's that's a big part of the process. The other big part of it, into the second part of your question, is how we actually then go about measuring things. And generally for us, that's as part of the process, actually setting up whether it's a Salesforce dashboard or a report in Tableau or whatever we're using to actually measure progress, that everybody has that same source so that there's a source of truth that everyone's referencing. And so then there's no miscommunication or different different sets of data. Again, we've defined it. We know exactly what it is we're doing and why, and we all know where to get the information. So again, we're focused on how do we now cover the gaps or solve the problem or celebrate successes. And I think too, like the, those metrics that you were talking about defining, being explicit about which of those are actually going to be your levers for growth, right? Like we're all kind of coming up on the end of calendar year, fiscal year timing and, and thinking about the, the upcoming year. Kate, like w- what is a good conversation with your ops counterpart look like when you're making those decisions? Because to Jacqueline's point, like, you, yes, you've got to define all those metrics, but there's probably only a handful of those that you're going to say, okay, these are the ones that are going to be steady state. This is the incremental growth. And then these are the big bets that we might be making in the next yeah. annual plan or whatever. Yeah, that's what I was actually just going to build off of what Jacqueline was saying. It's like, you have to agree on the metrics, but like, hopefully it doesn't take you very long to get there. But then I think then the second piece of that is then, and, and tis the season for this is what you just talked about. We're in planning season. And so aligning on the assumptions, right? Because what Jacqueline said was super important was like, do I have the pipeline today for where I have to close tomorrow? Yes or no. I'd rather, instead of arguing about, well, I need 3X or 4X or 2X or 500X or whatever it is, like that's in the plan, right? So it's the, it is what it is. It said you needed 3X, you didn't get to 3X. Okay, so what are we, I'd rather, look, I think everybody on on this line would say, I'd rather have a conversation about what are we going to do about it rather than is it true or not? <laughs> do you know right. what I mean? Because like, otherwise you're just wasting so much time and I just can't, I there's nothing that, that gets me um, more than like wasted time, which is like, Okay, so understanding, Shanti, to that end. So once you have the metrics, understanding, getting, this is what I think is super important about alignment, but I think not enough organizations meet is like, what are the underlying assumptions you made about how you will get there? And then how are you saying, the only thing I know about my assumptions are that half of them are going to be wrong, <laughs> um, right? Like at least half, uh, hopefully half. And, and, um, then as long as we can understand, okay, how are, how is that half wrong? And how can we capitalize on the ones that I was wrong about, but are going in the right direction? I should have bet bigger on and get back out of the ones that I was like too aggressive on and didn't have, um, you know, any chance of being successful at all. Like just walk back away from those and go double down on what's working. Like I can't stand when we're sitting here and, you know, things aren't working out the way we thought they would. And you're sitting there arguing about, well, is this the number we should look at? Is that the number? 
both numbers say we're not there. So what are we going to do about it? Right? Like what are the, what's the action plan that we're going to take to get there? Yeah. I saw some tweet or LinkedIn post last week that was like, before you get too upset about next year's plan, go back and look at last year's plan, right? Yeah. It's like the number of things that we get wrong, right? And the number of things that we fight about around these little nitty gritty components when we could be talking about what are the actual big investments or big uh, rocks that we want to focus on in the next year. So, so I'm curious for both of you and, you know, in your current and previous businesses, like, let's assume, and this is a big assumption, you, you nail that planning process that you all are describing, right? You get the alignment, you get the metrics, you get the goals. What do the ongoing routines or cadences or touch points in your businesses look like that you found to be helpful that keep up this alignment, right? Because it's one thing to get this right at the beginning. It's a totally another thing to execute on it throughout your quarter, throughout your year. Um, Jacqueline, we'll start with you, but I'm curious with both of you, like, what have you found to be the most helpful routines that keep those teams aligned? And, and what has Ops specifically done to help make those things actually work? Yeah, we do it. We do a couple of different things. Um, and we're constantly changing because the world is constantly changing or we're just figuring out ways to, to do it better or differently. Um, one of the things that we've we've done that's worked really well is we set KPIs and we set OKRs and we and we do those things as two separate exercises. Um, but for our KPIs, we determine what's the primary measure of success for every team and then what are secondary measures of success for those teams. And that's a lot of sort of in quarter, <clears throat> excuse me, how are we tracking to plan? So what are the primary measures that enable us to say whether or not we're tracking to our plan? And then what are those, some of those secondary measures? Um, and, and, you know, we sometimes get even more granular and, and talk about which of them are leading indicators and which are lagging indicators and, you know, go into a variety of detail there. Um, but that sort of helps us keep up with the plan to some extent, especially with the what can we be doing today in order to impact tomorrow type of conversation. So are we to are we actually tracking the plan? Let's not wait until the end of the quarter to decide whether whether things are going well or not. Um, and so part of it is what is the cadence for actually checking in on those KPIs? So is it a weekly meeting like our sales forecast? Is it a biweekly meeting for some of our other metrics um, or even further out, depending on, on what it is? And then Separately, we have our OKRs, uh, and a lot of the focus on the OKR is again, and you'll keep hearing me, hearing me say this today for tomorrow type of of um, mantra. But what are we doing in this quarter in order to make next quarter better for ourselves? So, what investments are we making in the company, our teams, ourselves, in order to be better next quarter? Um, and so that's that's sort of like the building for tomorrow type of focus. And so the combination of those two sort of helps us to not only track to the goals and the plans that we have as part of um, our goals, but also to continuously be getting better and putting really intentional thought and design around how we get better. It doesn't happen magically. It's hard, right? So making sure that we're actually investing in those things that, we'll, that we need to do to, to move the needle. Um, but the KPI meetings are probably the biggest one that we use to, to track against plan. And real quick before Kate jumps in, Jacqueline, like who's in those KPI meetings, right? Like who are who is the audience? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, so our so my Rev Ops team um, has a marketing ops person, a sales ops person, a customer experience ops person. So we have we're we're fortunate to have you know sort of focused operational um, business partners for the teams that they're they're working with, and so generally they're owning a lot of setting the met, you know, all the things you talked about, setting the metrics, um, measuring against them and and helping to report out against them, then the business stakeholders. So if we're talking about, um, you know, sales operations, then the, the sales leaders would also be in those meetings um, as well as most often a sort of like plus one on, on the leadership side. So, you know, sales operations plus you know, heads of the sales teams and the CRO would would be in those meetings to ensure that everyone's aligned. And then obviously the work each day goes back to the teams to, to continue to iterate against. Kate, how about you? What, what types of routines have been helpful? Um, for us, we have, uh, we have uh, uh, actually a few different weekly touch bases on that where uh, I have a SDR management demand generation sync where we're talking about, okay, what are we delivering and how does that compare to 
both the plan and the forecast that we set forth in the in the um, in the month and in the quarter. And then um, we also have a meeting with with all the sales leaders where they are going through their their line of business and talking about like, hey, here's the pipe I have. Uh, here's what we did in pipe gen last week over the week prior. Uh, it's you know, and I hear it, it's up, it's down, it's not where it needs to be, all those things. And and we talk through a lot of that. So, and, you know, folks in that meeting, it goes all the way up to, from a new business uh, perspective, and that that's a, our CEOs in that call. So uh, if something, something's off there, right? Like uh, we're talking about it and we're having that discussion at that point. Um, but the, the, sale, the sales development manager meeting is, is super insightful in terms of like, okay, what are we going to do? What's working? How can we double down on what's working? How do we back away from what's not? I would also imagine too, to your earlier point about what you look at and, and being aligned on what you look at, right? Like having the CEO in that meeting makes it pretty clear to everybody. Like this is a thing that we look at when we're talking about this level of alignment or this pipeline generation. So I would imagine that also, while I'm sure there's a bunch of work up front for an ops team or a marketing team to, to get right, that once it's in place, kind of becomes the, the cornerstone or the source of truth for that meeting. Is that fair? Yeah, very much. We do not argue about, uh, I don't like where this number is in the, in the cell. It's not the right color. It's not the right font. It's like, we're not having those conversations there. It is like, that is set in stone. The grid is the same thing. It gets published every either Monday by 8 a.m. or Sunday night at 7 p.m., right? Like, it is not... There's nobody who's like going in and massaging this and making it it's just the numbers. Like here's this is what the numbers are. You just need to speak to these, right? Yeah. I think the only thing I would add to this is just like the content of these types of meetings, I think can be really hard, right? And Kate and I have actually partnered on stuff like this in the past and we've had ones that have not gone well, right? And and so I think what you deliver in terms of content here is really helpful. And also who is kind of the owner of what you're what you're producing? I think one of the things that we've learned at Drift and something that's been really helpful is we've aligned different sources of the operating plan that Kate and Jacqueline have been talking about where that agreement is really important. We've aligned those different sources to different kind of flavors of these routines that we have to bring sales and marketing together. So we will do one that's just about marketing. We'll do one that's just about our channel team. We'll do one that's just yeah. about our SDR team. And having that rotation one gives ownership to each of those teams over their part of the operating plan that they're responsible for. But two, the customers on the other end, the sales managers, the sales reps get to hear directly from those folks. And that's where we can start to create that mutual accountability that Kate was talking about at the beginning. Right. And so I think by having that rotation, that's, that's been really helpful to, to bring that accountability to bear and also to have good conversations with each of those sources because the circumstances are different with every source the volume or the percentage of the plan that each of those sources is responsible for can be very, very different. And so when you try to paint with a broad brush about what each of them are responsible for, I think that that can be really difficult. Um, Jacqueline, are there any other things that you found to be helpful on that accountability piece to make sure that, you know, it's not just marketing saying, hey, we threw this stuff over the fence, or it's just sales saying the leads suck, right? Like neither of those arguments are helpful. Um, like what have you found that actually does help with accountability? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's there's a value in investing in the relationships, which is not a fast solution, um, but is one that pays dividends and especially over the longer term. And so building a lot of the trust in and with trust comes some of the vulnerability that is so helpful in solving real problems to say, you know, be able to bring the right people to the table and and know that those people can share what challenges they're coming up with, solicit ideas for for improvement, um, and to be able to lean on each other effectively to then hold each other accountable, but in a way that is in sort of like an all one team mentality versus an accountability that's like, you didn't do your thing, so therefore I couldn't do my thing. Um, and is much more a, we're in this together. And so marketing team, if I can give you as much feedback as I can on the sales side to say, you know, why did this lead that we were excited about not pan out? Or, you know, what made this meeting go sideways? Or what could have been done differently in that webinar that, that actually would have really helped us? And the marketing team, because they have the relationship, 
takes that feedback and says, okay, that's incredibly helpful. Let me apply that. And, and just like, you know, on the same side, the, the, you know, giving that same type of feedback to the sales team to be able to say, you know, here's where we're seeing some of the challenges or here's where some of the frustrations lie. Um, because then the accountability is, is in the positive versus in the negative. And, and I think when, when people say words like accountability or feedback or you name it, it often comes from a place of, of negativity and it shouldn't. And so how do we build, how do we build the positive around those words so that we are truly one team? And I think, you know, some of the transparency that we've built into the, into our systems have helped with that. Um, some of the reporting has helped with it so that we can segment out things effectively to say what is or isn't working, you know, or is there a sales rep that isn't doing a bad job by any means, but based on the numbers, maybe is missing something or could be coached in a certain area because we're not seeing conversion rates for these same type of, you know, campaign inquiries as we are for other people on the team. You know, can we dig into calls and coach to that? And, and that that's that team mentality that then increases everybody's accountability, um, but also makes everybody feel like they're part of the solution. Yeah, Jacqueline, I think just to build on that, because what you said there, I think we've been talking a lot because we've been talking about ops, right? And the, the default is always to go to numbers, but I think numbers are super important. But just as important to those is like the numbers are just telling you where to go look. And the answer is never in the numbers. It just, it literally is a, a direction setter of like, go look here. It was like very clear to me. I was looking at the numbers of like looking at our sales accepted opportunities to sales qualified opportunities and seeing our conversion rate drop. The answer wasn't in, let me go find the number of minutes like our calls were. The answer was go listen to the call, right? Like listen to the conversations. I think so many people, lots of people for whatever reason, like don't get in that deep. They think like somebody else will. And it's just like, oh, that's a sales manager's job to listen to calls. That's a sales manager's job to coach the rep on discovery. That product marketing should have... Uh, built a better discovery deck. Well, yeah, okay, cool. But how would you? How would they have known? Like the answer is in those calls. You got to get on. You got to listen. You got to do the work, right? And there's no shortcut to that. I think I don't know. That's just one one thing there. I think too many people. It's like you you said it earlier. You got Tableau, and I've got Einstein Analytics, and I've got this thing, this thing, and like, oh, cool. Look at all these data visualizations. Cool. Answers aren't in there. Just it, right. It's just telling you you have a temperature. <laughs> I think diving into those individual details too, whether it's an individual call or an individual lead, like if you make that the practice of your team, then you don't end up with like these like big hand waving statements about the state of this relationship. Right. And when you start to fall back on those big hand waving statements, like, you know, we don't get enough leads or the leads are shit, or, you know, we're not following up with them fast enough then you miss kind of the nuance of what's actually happening with each individual one. I think another good example of, of diving into the details there is for both marketers, salespeople, and operations folks alike, by looking at the individual examples, you can also find the places where things might be breaking, right? Like we as operators like to think that the systems we've designed are flawless, right? And they're just going to work the way we've intended them. But sales and marketing alignment, a huge chunk of that is making sure that the systems you've designed across the customer journey are actually working as, you, as you'd intended them to do, right? It's not all just going to be a behavior conversation. There might actually be stuff that's broken. One of the things that we created at, on our ops team at Drift to help try to mitigate these circumstances when, you know, human beings, we screw up, is we created this thing that we call the danger dash. And it's exactly what it sounds like, Right. Anytime we can anticipate where something might break, whether it's a new process or a system or a new tool that we've integrated, we try to anticipate all the places that that thing might break and create reports to show us the places where things break. And so the dream for every operations person is to open up your danger dash and have it be completely empty. But if it's not, then you have people on the team whose job it is to follow up on those specific things that are broken and not just fix those individual examples, but try to find the root cause of them. And I think like, Kate, your example gets you now into the nitty gritty on a, a particular call or a particular lead. And then the question becomes, okay, is this truly a one-off problem or do we have more of a systematic issue here? And like, is there a further root cause that we then need to dig into more? Yeah, I love the, the idea of the 
the danger dash too, because um, again, it's just telling you again, like, hey, you have a temperature, better go see a doctor, right? But um, the danger dash is so critical because when something breaks, it's bad enough when it's broken, right? Worse is when the like every ops person nightmare is on, and it's been broken for three weeks, <laughs> or and it's been broken for two months, and we have no way to go back and fix like fix it retroactively. So it's just broken for you know what I mean. Like we can go rewire it for all the new stuff, but we we can't get the old stuff. Like that is like the like the heart crushing moments that I, that I always have when my obstacle comes in or like. Yeah, so that broke and it broke two weeks ago and can you go back we can't rewind the clock on it. It's like, man, uh, that's a killer, you know? That's a killer. I was just gonna say I, I think that that's you know, similar to the similar to the alignment question earlier, the alignment with the operations teams is also so critical. You know, there's so often that operations teams can get bogged down in one off complaints or like I need a report or whatever it is and, and building those relationships so that, so that you're also, you know, listening to the feedback of the teams and making sure that you're, you're listening when things are, are not necessarily going well. So sometimes it is just, just a report that needs, you know, a filter change and, and maybe it's slightly frustrating, but there's other times when it really is broken and you really need to go look and fix it. And you have to be listening to to the people that are on the front lines and potentially seeing this stuff earlier than, than it shows up on the danger dash or you haven't created the danger dash yet. Um, and so how do you have like so much accountability is like in every single direction, um, you know, so that, that it really is that team feeling, even though people's seats are in slightly different places. And Jacqueline, like where does ops responsibility kind of start and end there, right? One of the things I get nervous about when we have conversations like this is that the, the breadth of the charter expected of an ops team can get so wide in these types of scenarios that it's impossible to be successful because you're responsible for everything. Like where in that, in that spectrum do you see the operations team's true responsibilities? Like we talked about us being bipartisan. Some people say like we're Switzerland. Sometimes we're like more therapists than anything else. Like, what what is the actual role that you think we should be playing there? Yeah, that's a tough question. Um, you know, and I think I think at least for for the people that have I've seen and, and worked with in, in operations, generally the problem that I see is that they do too much um, and and not too little. And and so you know, I know one of the things that when we're hiring, I always say is I want creative problem solvers who you know, love to love to get their hands on something and fix it and love delighting, you know, the, the people that they work with, with a solution. And what that often means is that it's like, yeah, no, I can definitely do that, do that thing for you. And like, I can definitely help with that other thing. And, and like, these are all fun, exciting problems. Um, and so I think a lot of it is, is then pushing back to, you know, what, it, what are things and, and opportunities that operations can uniquely engage in in order to add value on a scale in a scalable way um, that that we should be focusing and optimizing our time for and then in me not answering the question that you actually asked because I don't know if I actually can <laughs> I, I think it's a lot of then the conversations with those teams and I know I had a marketing conversation about this recently where it was like, all right, you know, lead scoring, how do we actually parse out? What about lead scoring is marketing's? What about lead scoring is marketing operations? What about it is our BDRs team? And how do we all collectively work through that and, and figure it out and then hold to it? And so I think in a lot of cases, the, for me, at least the, the answer isn't so black and white. There are many that are pretty black and white. Um, but that, it's more about the relationship and, and in some cases, what stage are we at? You know, so for us, we're, we're moving marketing automation systems. We just moved our CRM system. Everything is new. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of gray. And so we should move more in the direction of saying yes and helping and, you know, saying, yeah, I can, follow, I can solve that problem for you and then start to pull back as we actually get people into a place where they can start to do some of it themselves. So again, not answering your question, but it, it, it feels like there's, it, it's too hard to put a definition around um, because it's, 
it's a unique scenario and that this is where operations people need to have the ability to make good decisions and to to choose which things to invest their time in and which ones not to and should be able to articulate why um but that a lot of judgment sits in operations and a lot of you know strategic problem solving and if you're not hitting that benchmark you should probably be thinking about how to untangle yourself from it but Jacqueline, i think you hit that right on the head right the problem with operations people is exactly what you said which is like they want to fix they want to fix everything they want to make everybody happy right like and that is and and it is like a recipe for like wanting to jump out the window every day right <laughs> you just can't like you can't you you basically can't do that the best operations people that i've worked with have been masters at never saying no but saying which one so like which one of we can do all of these things but i need you to tell me which one of these is most important to the business right because like and having an opinion on like hey i think it's this one here's how i prioritize these but which one do you want because you essentially right your customers are internal so right. you, you need to make sure that there's alignment there um, and have a perspective of like, here's what I would do. These are the top three I would go do. But if you have a different opinion and you want me to change this filter on your report, they should probably figure out how to do anyway. So let me teach you how to fish. Like, I'm happy to do that with you. But, uh, I think that's the, that's like the, that's so integral to that ops role, which is just like, you can have this or that you cannot have both all the time. Right. I think too, like that's the that's the hard part about the goals conversation that we were having before, right? And saying, yeah, we want to be strict about putting goals in place, defining them, saying how we're going to measure them, and picking targets for them. But we also need to do that with the flexibility that says, if and when this new shiny thing comes up, let's have that prioritization conversation of. Is this now something we want to do? And if so, which of the things on our normal goal list are we not going to yeah. do anymore? Right. And right. I think people can use routines and cadences to help with that. Right. Like when, when Kate and I work together every Tuesday afternoon, no matter what, I met with Kate and our marketing leaders and our marketing ops group to say, Hey, these are the things we're currently working on. What are you seeing on this list that is either something you don't think is important or what don't you see on this list that you do think is important? Right. And then having those conversations allows you to still lean back on your goals, use those as the kind of the North Star to say yes or no to stuff. But you can also be fluid in, in those moments when the business truly needs you to be fluid. Yeah, 100%. I think that's 100% true. I think, and also just being able to be like, because I am also one of those people and i think oh i've seen lots of marketing and sales leaders do this where i'll be in a meeting i'll be like oh we should look at that oh we should look at this oh we should look at that and then the amazing ops people that i've worked with have been like cool kate just said that we should go look at these 10 things today. <laughs> and she already had given me the list of 50 so i can't and and it was like eye-opening of like yeah i did say we should do that but i meant like six months from now when after like i've taken three vacations and i have a pina colada in my hands, right? Like th that's what I meant. We should look at that. Not today. Right. And so, um, I, yeah, I think it's super, it's super important. And one other thing on the alignment side, I think a, a, a big key to alignment in my opinion is also an open curiosity. And so what I was talking about before in terms of like, um, the devil being in the details and the devils are in the, in the calls and in the decks and the emails and in the correspondence and the, in the drift conversations you're having with your, with your, um, customers and prospects. Like literally just when you get into, I've had such like a, a mind blowing experience of like talking to sales and being like, Hey, I'm just curious. Is this how we expect our reps? And uh, I'm a big Gong fan and we're Gong customers. And, and like the fact that you can send a snippet, is this our expectation on how we would expect them to be talking about this? Like no judgment, just being like, is this what we want? Or, hey, are you, are we purposefully um, waiting until the follow-up email to set the next call? Is that what you want them to do? Or should we do that before they end that call? Like, which one do you want? Like, and that's what I mean by an open curiosity. Like, I'm not saying like, hey, this is wrong. Why are you not setting the call before you get off the first one? But 
like I think having the conversation in terms of like being having that intellectual curiosity of like I'm not a salesperson. There's a reason I don't sign up for for a booking school to every month, right? You are. You tell me, is this what you want it to happen or not? And likewise, like my sales counterpart can be like, hey, are these the types of people that you wanted us to meet with at this event? Because like, is this what you wanted? Because I need your help and how you want me to handle the next conversation there. Right. And I think that's some of that relationship building where it's like, you're coming and saying, I'm not an expert in this and you are. So help me understand how I can help you better and then vice versa. And then that's where like the partnership starts to come together versus the, I threw it over the fence and you didn't do anything with it. And so I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. And so how do like, the, the more we spend time with the people and having the right conversations and asking the questions and truly engaging in the, the, our counterparts day to day, it feels like that's where true alignment comes from versus numbers on a page, which to your point earlier, Kate, are just indicators. They just start telling us where to look. And by the way, like if you're in ops, if you're a marketing leader, if you're a sales leader, like there's no better way to demonstrate that you want to be a real partner than to do that research and send that gong snippet and ask that question, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to waiting for, for those answers to come to you. Like there's no better way to show that. So, all right. In the time we've got left, um, we are going to be taking um, our conversation today and turning it into an episode of Operations, which is a podcast that I hope uh, host at Drift. If you're listening via MSP today, make sure you go find that, download it. Um, I have a, a handful of questions that I ask each guest at the end of the episodes that uh, I'm going to ask to to Jacqueline and Kate as we as we wrap things up here today. So, um, Jacqueline, I will start with you, and we'll we'll try to hit on each of these questions for both of you as we as we rifle our way through in the time that we've got left. Sound good? Yep. All right. First one. Jacqueline, best book you've read in the last six months? Um, I listened to your podcast, so I knew this was coming. Uh. My my professional answer, <laughs> uh, we, we are actually doing an awesome book club uh, that one of my leaders is running uh, and reading Making of a Manager, which has been incredible with managers on the team to read a couple chapters and dive into. Um, definitely recommend it for anybody who's looking for, for a good read. Nice. Kate, best book you've read in the last six months? Uh, I just finished The Comfort Crisis, um, which was awesome. It was, it was a great book. It was really, really good. Love it. All right. Jacqueline, favorite part about working in ops? I like solving problems. Um, <laughs> you know, we talked about it, but I do love the, the opportunity to, to take a problem and fix it and then be able to deliver it and say, it, it works now. Um, it's, it's an awesome feeling. Kate, favorite part about working with ops? Um, I I love uh, wiring it up, right? And I, I love like get making the machinery the um, and and gluing that all together together to create an experience provided to people, right? And so like being able to hook it all together is is always thrilling for me. All right, Jacqueline, flip side, least favorite part about working in ops. Um, I mean, I, probably the, the, to some extent, the prioritization, like I, I want, I really do like to be able to do it all. And, and so I'm one of those people that, you know, at night I'll, I'll like create reports for people um, and, and do that, do that kind of thing. Cause I, I do like doing it, but I become my own worst enemy <laughs> by doing that. So least favorite part is having to say no. Um, to yourself and actually, and actually stick to the no. Yeah. <laughs> Kate, least favorite part about working with ops. We promise not to take offense. Um, yeah. I, just not being able to get it all done. Like, cause it's all there and you can see it and you just want to get it done and you just want to knock it out. And it's so easy to think, cool. Yeah. I can just totally do this on the couch tonight as I'm like, whatever, binging, whatever Apple TV has come out with next. Right. But, um, it just, it's not feasible. And so like having to prioritize it, I mean, I said it was so super valuable this whole last 20 minutes here. Um, and it's critical to the success, but the prioritization piece is, is brutal. I'm with Jacqueline on that. All right. Two more Jacqueline, someone who impacted you getting to the job you have today. Oh man. Um, 
should have prepared that one better. Um, I mean, I would say early on, um, I wrote a job description for myself and, and like literally printed it out and handed it to a boss and was like, this is what I think I do. And this is where, what I want to actually formalize that I do. And, and he said, yeah. Um, and so, you know, getting, having a, a manager early on who really bought into a vision of a role that didn't exist, um, and allowed me to, to make it up and, and, and move into something fun and exciting, um, was big. Kate? Uh, yeah, that's fascinating. I started out, um, I think it was roughly a century ago, uh, doing double-sided data entry and, and sending, uh, putting putting source codes into FileMaker Pro and sending emails out via, via Lyris. So literally it was a century ago by that. I think the emails got carried by horse and buggy to wherever <laughs> they're they gone. But I was, um, I was really privileged at that time to, uh, to work for a number of women in that organization who, um, who never asked me why I thought I could do something, but asked me why, why I thought I couldn't. Uh, and, and I spent seven years at that organization because, because of them asking me that question, like why I couldn't go do the next thing. And, and that was huge. So it's not just one person, but, um, uh, I, I still speak with many of them there and, and just got really lucky with that team. That's awesome. All right. Last one for both of you. One piece of advice for people who want to have your job someday. Ask questions and dig into the stuff that no one else is digging into. Yeah, I love that. Dig into the stuff that nobody else is digging into. I, I, I think, um, see, I, I, I think it's like the same thing as the TSA policy. It's like, it's a little bit different. So to see something, say something, it's like, see something, do something. So where you see something is broken, do something about it, right? Like it doesn't matter. I don't care if it's in your job description. I care about adding value. Like that's what I care about. And so to me, it's just like, see something, do something about it. Um, and, and it will all work out in the end. Thanks so much to Kate and Jacqueline for joining us on the MSP panel and for being our guests on this special episode of Operations. Thank you to Taylor and the team at MSP for setting up the event and a special shout out to Delaney Adams from the Drift team for handling all the logistics for the event behind the scenes. If you wanna learn more about Modern Sales Pro, check out their website, modernsaleshq.com. It's a phenomenal community. I have learned a ton from meeting people as part of this community, as well as going to events like the one that we hosted for this episode. If you like what you heard, make sure you are subscribed to our show so you can hear from our regular guests every other Friday. A new episode will show up in your feed if you are subscribed. And if you learn something from Kate and Jacqueline or from the panel or from any of our episodes, make sure you leave us a six-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, six-star reviews only. All right, that's gonna do it for me. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.